The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 116. Washington, D.C. has no J Street because during the 18th century, the letters I and J were basically interchangeable, which is why Thomas Jefferson wrote his initials as T.I. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and whether this is your first time listening or you have been with us since the very beginning, I want to say thank you for joining us today and making us a top 100 podcast on iTunes. I also want to mention we are still running a survey over at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash survey because we want to know what you guys want to listen to. We want to do the shows that you like. And one of the things that has come up in the survey answers over and over again is that you want to hear stories from people just like you. I guess you think I'm not just like you, but I am, trust me. And the guys here today will will prove that. Um, but you wanted to hear success stories about people who have taken the stuff that we've taught at Extra Pack of Peanuts or taken travel advice from, from other places and really implemented it and turned it, you know, their life around through travel. And so today I'm very, very excited to bring on long-term EPOP readers, but also two people who have, I have now spent three weeks with in Thailand, a wonderful three weeks, Rob Hillman and David McMullen. So Rob and Dave, thanks so much for coming on the show and welcome. It's good to be here. Yes. Hello. Thank you for having us. And Rob and David were actually nice enough to let us record. We're recording in person in their apartment because they have a nice one-bedroom apartment without construction, whereas the quote-unquote resort that me and Heather are staying at, uh, it's not as nice as where they are. So we're recording from their beautiful air-conditioned one-bedroom apartment. And because I've spent so much time with you guys over the last three weeks, I know that we're going to need to split this interview up into two episodes before we even start. So for today's episode, we're going to talk about your guys' whole backstory, about everything that led up to the trip that you are currently on. So from the background of, of how much you guys traveled before to why you wanted to travel to how you started preparing for this trip, how you started saving, everything that led up to you actually getting on the plane and going... And then in part two, we'll start talking about the trip that you're on and all the things that you've done to save money on this trip, where you've been. These two guys, for everyone listening, they are travel budget geniuses. They, <laughs> they put me to shame. When I'm at the market buying $1 rice cakes, I know that they're thinking, oh my gosh, he's not being frugal enough. So <laughs> Yeah, cheap is the word I think you're looking for. <laughs> so that will be in part two. They really are truly living the motto of travel more, spend less. So make sure you check back to get part two of this interview at all as well. You can get that on iTunes. You can get that on Stitcher. Of course, you can get it at our new site, extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. So let's jump right into this then, the beginning of this interview, because I want you guys to give everyone a little bit of your backstory. Like You've been traveling for a decent part of your life, and you've done some really 
cool travel, I guess I want to say jobs, you've had some really cool travel experiences. So if you wouldn't mind, tell people kind of your travel background. Uh, well, I think when we met, which was 22 years ago, we weren't travelers, I wouldn't say. Um, we both were trying to become actors. And I think through that job is where we both discovered traveling. Um, we were lucky enough to get jobs. I started working on cruise ships where I did a lot of the Caribbean and Alaska and and then I got a job. I was working with Disney. They did this big tour in Asia. So I lived for six months in Singapore. Um, it was the first time I'd ever left the United States. I mean, other than like Mexico or Canada or whatever. Right. The, the international countries that exactly. don't count that as don't being count. international. Because um, we just like walked across the border when I was a kid. Doesn't really count. But going to Singapore for someone who had never thought about traveling is like the best place to go. It was so Western. I mean, we were, I was living in uh, Southern California at the time and Singapore is really a lot like Southern California, except for much more humid and, you know, a lot weirder kind of foods to eat. But it was really easy and I had a great time. So then our uh, tour moved. We were in, Singapore for six months, then we moved up to Taiwan and Taipei for another six months, and David joined the show for that part of the tour, and so we were kind of there together. Taiwan, much different than Singapore, not nearly as easy, a much bigger language barrier and much weirder food. But again, we were with our jobs, so we had a lot of friends, and it was really easy and we just kind of had this great year-long adventure. Yeah, and Disney takes care of you. They don't let you get into trouble. So when you're working for Disney, they make sure all your transportation to and from work is taken care of, your housing is taken care of. So it was pretty easy to travel with them and for them. Yes. Like, it was the perfect introduction to the world, basically. And so then when but, we... But travel still wasn't what we were planning on doing. We just lucked into it through these jobs. Yes. And at that point, you were mid-20s, right? You were out of college and you had, you had done some jobs, but it was your first foray into this international yes. travel. I had never considered travel as something that I even wanted to do, really. No, I, I mean, don't know. it sounded exciting. I was, I was one of those kids who I really read about the, the seven wonders of the world and they fascinated me and I wanted to experience all that, but I had no idea how I could do that. I just wanted to be an actor. I was there with my job and loving the adventure, but not really planning ahead of anything. But then when we got back, so we moved to New York and we're being little theater actors there mm -hmm. and basically, which means we You're were being very modest. Tables. You were on Broadway at some point. Um, eventually. eventually. <laughs> it takes eventually. a little while. but it took, That took a little while. But even before that happened, I mean, so we were there kind of struggling, being the starving artist, which is was exciting in itself. But that seed had gotten planted. And so now I'm in New York. I'm going to these auditions. I'm having interviews with agents and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I couldn't get it out of my head that I wanted to travel. Because now that I knew it was possible... Like, it took a little while. It took a couple of years, but it was just kind of go over, over and over in my head. Like, there's this big world out there. And New York is awesome, of course. But I wanted to see more of it. So, 
it's a one of those weird stories where I was at a class, I think, and I met this guy. We were waiting out in the hallway because we were all going in like one at a time to do our little class stuff. And I, so we just started talking and he's like, oh yeah, I just got home from a year long round the world trip. And I was like, what the heck? Yeah, what does that mean, right? (laughs) How did you do that? I want to do this. You are totally my hero. I was like totally just geeking out with this guy. And, you know, and he was telling me about all the stuff he did. and, And then he was like, well, when are you going? And I was like, oh, well. I can't go because, I mean, I don't have enough money and I've got my career that I'm trying to make happen and all these, you know, every excuse that everyone says, I said them all. And he like very patiently let me say all my excuses. And then he said, look, there's no right or wrong answer. You should do whatever you want, but just ask yourself one question. Do you want to be the guy who wanted to go traveling or do you want to be the guy who did go travel? And I was like, it just really floored me. I couldn't answer that question. And two days later, I gave notice at my job. And obviously, it stuck with you because you remember that quote to this day, 20 some years later. And I remember it as well. He came home and he said, this is what I want to do. And he had said this before, but never with so much passion. And and this is it. And so I said, okay, we can do this. We can make it work. But... We need to raise the money. You need to stop going to auditions. You have to either focus on making this trip work or doing everything else that you use as an excuse not to do the trip. So he did. He got a job. Well, I was really lucky. It's sort of one of those things that the universe makes it happen. Once you put it out there that pieces fall together somehow. So I was temping at a temp. It was actually a temp agency and I was like their front desk guy or whatever. So temping at a temp agency. Yes. (laughs) Classic New York actor. Um, So my boss luckily really liked me and I went to her and I was like, I really want to go do this trip. I love working for you, but I need to make more money than I'm making because I've got to save up a lot of money. I gave myself, I think, four months before I actually left. Yeah, which is pretty crazy because I didn't. I actually didn't know how long it was going to be. Like, I gave myself four months. Wow, it was it was fast. Yeah. Um, Did you feel like if you didn't do it that quickly? that it would dissipate or no? Or was it just because you were so ready to go? I think both that I was just really excited to do it, but also, I mean, because with the acting stuff, because David was going to come with me, but then he got a job. And so he was doing a show. And it was a big job. So I really wanted it to go well. I wanted to keep using that momentum. I mean, I loved doing theater as much as I wanted to travel. And so it wasn't a... Yeah, it wasn't a no-brainer for you to say, I'm going to travel. You thought, hey, this is a great opportunity as well. Exactly, and I love doing that. So So basically, he made me go by myself on my first (laughs) trip. But that was fine. But I went to my boss and I said, I have to make more money than I'm making. So can you, you know, put me out on, it's a temp agency, you could find me a better paying job. And she was like, don't tell anybody else. I probably shouldn't tell this story. Not that any of my coworkers are ever going to hear this. But she was like, I'll give you the raise. She gave me like a huge raise and I mean a lot more responsibilities and stuff too that I helped her with, but she gave me that. And she knew you were going to leave in in four months too. So that's really cool because she could see that I 
was serious and she made it happen for me. And, and then I, I also, I think, that's, I think a lot of people, you know, you always think I have to do everything on my own or like, or like this is my dream. So I have to make it work. But when you start telling people so many people, especially if you're younger or, and, and there's older people who haven't traveled and they think, man, I wish I had done that. Or even if you're older and they're older, just people who haven't done it think, that's so cool that they're going to do it. And you find people opening doors for you or helping you in any way they can because they just think it's neat that you're going for it and they never really had, they might have wanted to, but never the gumption to actually go and do it. Totally. Yeah. Proclaim it to the world because the world will answer you back. Yeah. And they'll hold you accountable because you know your <laughs> boss isn't, if it's five months, uh, Rob, get out of here, man. I, I gave you the you raise. The raise. <laughs> I can't afford to keep paying you this much. Yeah. So, I mean, I, so I worked for her. I picked up like every catering job I could find on the weekends and basically spent no money doing anything else and just saved and saved and bought a plane ticket. It was, that was good because I was younger. So I still, um, could do like the student stuff, which really I found some great deals. So I flew to, um, New Zealand and, how long was I gone on that trip? Like nine months, I think, total. Yeah. Um, New Zealand, Australia, Indonesia, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. And what made you <laughs> just rattling them off? No big deal. Your first trip outside the country. <laughs> it was Here memorable. you are hitting up like nine different, vastly different cultures. And how did you decide where you were going to go on that first trip? Huh, that is a good question, and I don't even remember. I always, well, I do remember, because I guess having worked in Singapore and Taiwan, I knew I liked that area, and when we were on the show, I mean, we were, it was a huge production, so there was like 50 people in the cast and a crew of 100. We were very sheltered. Like, in your little Disney things, bubble But like thing. we, you know, we went and had, had dinner at the Hard Rock Cafe. You know, that was kind of my foreign experience. So I wanted to go back to that area, but do it on my own and really be like a backpacker. So I knew I wanted to go to Australia and the rest of it kind of just worked its way out. And then David, you actually ended up being able to come on this trip a little bit as well then yeah for a little bit of it i met him in singapore and we worked up our way up through malaysia into thailand together and it was it was brief it was two and, two a, half weeks. and a half two three weeks um not enough but you know time to see him during that trip so i didn't feel like you were totally left out too, yeah well and i think that's important i think that's very hard because especially if you're a couple, you know, if one person goes and does something and comes back and is totally changed, that, yes. that must and be it was very difficult. interesting because we were doing two types, two different types of traveling on the same trip. He was doing long-term backpacker traveling and I came out for a vacation. Right, because you had two and a half and weeks, so, so we, it was going to be... We kind of had... Uh, different intentions during that part of the trip. And I think it was hard for you, kind of. It was really hard because, I mean, I was so excited for you to be there. But then I felt this massive responsibility <laughs> that to make sure you had a really good time every second. And we actually did pretty well did. on the first part of the trip. But then we ended up in Bangkok. And we're on Khao San Road. And I'm, like, loving it, right? 
but we kind of ran out of things to do. And then there was only a couple that like, we didn't have enough time to go anywhere else. But the last couple of days were kind of twiddling our thumbs. And I don't think you really mind, but I was so stressed out that you were bored. Yeah, I didn't mind. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy that it, it is too mindset because you're in nine months. So if you're twiddling your thumbs for a couple of days, you think, well, this has happened throughout the trip. You know, it's when right. you're doing long term travel, it's much different than I've got a set amount of time. Boom, I have to do as much as I can. And I, I do think a lot of people experience that when they come home from a long term trip and the people around them haven't gone on it. And, and if you're a couple, it's probably even more difficult, but you know, your friends and your family and you've changed so much. And I find this way. I'll, I'll Skype home and I'll start talking to my parents and I've changed in whatever way for my travels. And it's good to talk to them, but it's just very hard for you to connect with them and them to connect with you because you didn't experience the same things. Because they don't care. Let's just be honest. <laughs> At you times. go out and have this big trip and they like to see pictures of the sunsets, but they have no frame of reference for like how like revelatory solo travel or long term travel abroad can really be. Cause most Americans, our country is huge. You can still do cool travel and still be in the States. It's much easier. It's, you know, what people know. I don't blame Americans for not traveling as much as other countries because I get it. But that said, I, when I came home from that trip, I actually came home a little earlier than I intended because it was my 10-year high school reunion and I wanted to go to it. And so I flew into... Which is so funny to think. You're on this nine-month backpacking trip, and that's the thing that brings you home. <laughs> I know. But I can understand that fully because I could see myself doing the same thing. I can't wait to see my buddies. I'm going to cut short my time in Indonesia to fly across <laughs> yeah, the world exactly. to see my old friends, which, which is a good thing because it means that obviously there's a place for them in your life, but it's right. just a funny thing to think about. Not a wedding or a funeral, <laughs> uh, thankfully, but a reunion. It's a reunion. I couldn't miss that. So, but I came home and flew into LAX. And of course I was living out of a backpack. So I had to go buy clothes to wear. And so I was sick from, you know, the flight over and everything and jet lagged like crazy. And I go into like Beverly Hills mall and I had the worst culture shock. Just, I got really anxious and there's just like all these people spending money on what I thought was stupid things. I mean, I bought a pair of pants that cost more than what I was spending in three or four days in Indonesia. You know, my friends took me out to lunch and the tip I had to leave on my lunch was more than I was used to paying for the whole meal. I was just like, <laughs> like had the hardest time getting back into, okay, I'm back in America. This is what things cost here and it's okay to spend money. And yeah, it was hard. And then, so now, let's fast forward a little bit because you come home from that trip and it's been about 20 years or a little under 20 years since that trip. So then what? Oh, not that long. Don't make me that Okay, old, 15 Travis. years. Excuse me. 15 <laughs> years. Sorry, guys. But then you have this time in between and obviously, you know, you got some jobs. And one of the things I think that's really interesting about, about your two stories is that you had jobs now at home before this trip that you're on now that you liked and that you enjoyed and that were good careers and that you really were passionate about, but you decided to leave them to come traveling. I think a lot of time people who are travelers, oh, I'm just out of college and I'm going to go, this is a nice break, or I got laid off, I'm going to go, or I'm already location independent, I'm a 
web designer and I can go, but you've made a decision to leave careers that you enjoyed to go on this trip. That's how much it was pulling you to do that. Can you talk a little bit about what your situation was like before this trip and why you decided to leave those careers? Okay. So, well, first we left our other career. We, we did the acting, acting for right. about 10 years. We loved it. And we decided to move on because we were seeing that people in the acting profession did not have retirements. They did not have secure futures to look forward to. And we love the acting, but we wanted more, some security, yeah. something else. I mean, we're glossing over that a little bit. Like I, 9-11 happened like while we were there and it really like it changed. I mean, not just us, a lot of people who lived through that, like it changed our, your perspective on what was important. So when we left New York, we did so very eyes open, like what do we want and let's, build our lives to make sure that we're getting the things that we want and aren't just falling into like habits and I'm doing this because this is what I've always done. So we chose new careers very specifically that would give us um, the kind of flexibility to be able to travel. I mean, I definitely wanted to go back and we wanted yes. to go out together. So I went back to school and became a nurse. And I um, got a job working with special needs kids, worked as a teacher and loved it more than I could ever imagine I would love a career. I just love that population, and it was something I felt that in my core I could do better than anything else I had ever done. So, yeah, it was a hard career to leave. Right, and and after spending time with these guys, I, I can tell you that both of them did very well in the jobs that they were in only because... The other one always brags about each other, but they're too <laughs> humble to do it themselves. But And also that they are very passionate about it. It wasn't a, oh, you know what? I'm fed up with this. Like, I've been doing it 10 years. I'm ready to move on. It was it was a tough decision. You, you knew you wanted to travel, and you had done some traveling, right? You know, it's not like you came back from that trip, Rob, and David, you had gone on for two and a half weeks, and like, oh, now we're not traveling for 15 years, and boom, now we're on a, a year-long round-the-world trip. Yeah, we, I mean, obviously it took us a while, a couple of years to get through school and to get settled. I got recruited out of school and we moved to Washington, D.C. And we lived there for a couple of years. And kind of our plan was like, we'll figure out traveling at some point. We didn't really know how at first. We were just kind of living life and going through all the stuff, you know, with changing careers and whatnot. And I think... I was there two years, and right about my two-year mark, which is kind of a habit with me, I will admit, um, I was like, I'm done. I need something to change. We're going to go travel. And, yeah, that's when we took off for our first big trip together, and that was Central America. And that one lasted six months. We did all the countries in Central America. Except Panama. Except for Panama. And then we went down and spent a month in Peru. And I've already roped these guys into agreeing to do a special episode just on Guatemala because hearing them talk about Guatemala, we which, loved Guatemala, which we won't get into in this awesome. podcast, but they will come back up because I am just completely full of wanderlust now for Central America and Guatemala, especially. So we'll have these guys on to talk about that. But you did that trip then. So, we so you had a career or you took a break so there. We, we both yeah, quit our jobs and we said, let's just travel and we didn't prepare as much for that one as we did for this trip. No. No. We weren't quite as responsible. But, I mean, we did We well. did okay. When we returned, we returned to Las Vegas. 
um, just because we have family there and we didn't really plan where we were going to go after that trip. So and being, I like the weather in Las um, Vegas. Nice and hot for you. Yes. I like the hot. And so then you guys, you went back to your careers though, right? Yes. So yeah, when we came we, back. We got jobs in nursing and teaching, but we didn't like our jobs there. The jobs that we loved so much in D.C., we did not like at all in Vegas. So, yeah, I managed nine months. I was working full-time nights on a med surge floor and was not really loving it. So I called my old job back in D.C. and was Because with nursing, there's something called travel nursing where you can take like little three-month contracts. And if people have somebody go out on maternity leave or, you know, get sick or whatever, they can pull people in for little contracts. So I called my boss and was like, do you need anybody for a little bit? I just need a break from where I am. And she's like, yes, please come back. So I went back for one contract and then they extended me again and then they extended me again. And finally I was there like a year and a half and they're like, why don't you just come back permanent? So, I mean, yeah, we went just, and actually David, when you and I was lucky too, because I went back to just visit my old job and they said, well, since you're here and, um, so I went back to working the same job. So we quit our jobs and we both got our same jobs after we traveled. So I think there's a little bit of a life lesson in there too, because so many people think decisions are so permanent, right? Like I'm going to have this job and I'm either going to be here 30 years and retire or, 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 you know, do something else. And it's like, there's so much flexibility, especially as you guys found. If you're willing to do two things, one, if you're good at what you do and, and you leave kind of on good terms and you leave to go traveling, you know, you're not quitting and going to a competitor. You left. Be, and as we said before, people probably thought that's so cool. They're and going they on a six month trip. Mean, everyone from my job, when I said I was leaving to go on a trip, they were so excited about it because it's something they would never think of doing. But it sounds amazing. Yeah. And it is amazing. But, yeah. Uh, and I think the second part of that then becomes and you glossed over it a little bit, but that you came back and you didn't have jobs that you liked very well. I mean, so many people, you know, you were willing to do what you had to do for nine months mm -hmm. and get jobs just to have jobs and, you know, the w way worse than the ones you left. But then you worked towards finding something better and lo and behold, you, you ended up in the same situation where you left. So now you get to have the trip. You basically have your cake and eat it too, right? I mean, yes. you have the trip and now you go back to your and it was old great. jobs. And this time, though, when we returned from Central America, pretty much right away, we decided we needed to do it again. And it took four years of planning before we took this trip. Yes? Yes. yes. So there has been four years in between your six-month Central America trip to when you left for yeah. this we've, we've done around the world. We've done small trips in between, but nothing big like this. Where we quit our jobs. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we planned for this one we much planned better. We planned constantly for this trip. Yeah, I want you guys to talk about this a little bit because, again, so many people then think it's a decision that happens in the moment, but you both are planners and organized. And so you, after you came back from the first trip, what were the steps you took if someone else was looking to do this and say, you know, Rob and David did, you know, you're going to be out for about a year. You don't exactly know, but you're going to be, let's say, a year and you're going to be traveling constantly. How could someone who has a career but is looking for either a break or to even eventually leave their job, what type of steps can they take to to set it in motion? I mean, there's lots of ways to do it or to make it just happen because we have more control over our lives than usually we want to admit. But 
I think for us this time, like our, our six months in Central America, we spent, um, I think if like, if you added in plane tickets and like literally everything, it was like $11,000. We had a budget of $50 a day that we were pretty good about keeping to. And so we didn't save all of that money up before we left the first time. Um, but most of it, and you know, we were able to get through. Okay. Um, but for this next trip, because we really wanted to go longer, we decided we wanted to really have everything like planned and we didn't want there to be any surprises. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to personal finances. Like it bugs me. Like I, w- I just wanted to make sure everything was good. So we had, I had spreadsheets all over the place. Like we were figuring out how much we wanted to spend, how much we needed to save. And like, we wanted this trip to be fully paid for before we left. And when these guys say they had planned out, they mean the financial part of it, not what they're going to do, because oh, we no. have sat in this exact spot <laughs> for about seven nights in a row saying, what if we go up to Burma? Wait, let's go to the <laughs> Philippines. So we are, our, our plans and their plans have changed literally by the hour. So when yes. you say planned, you mean financially you had figured out, okay, this is about how much we're going to spend per day. This is what we're going to budget. Let's have all this saved up. Before we before we go. go, so that we don't have to dip into savings or emergency fund, you know, while we're out out on the trip. I didn't want to have any of that kind of stress that I'm spending too much money while I'm in this completely amazing place and it's worth it. I just wanted to say it's already saved up. So we made a lot of changes. I mean, and we've always been frugal. I mean, we were starving actors, so we were pretty good at the at being frugal, but we took it to a whole new level. Um, what were the numbers, if you don't mind me asking, that you came up with for your trip? Like, how much were you going to spend a day? How much did that lead you to say you needed to save before you went? We knew that in most places, like coming, well, we changed our mind on our even the trip where we were going to go so many times. But Surprising. we figured most place, oh, we started out as going to be South America. Anyway, and here we are in Thailand. So most places, we knew we could get by on like $50 a day, which is pretty comfortable. And we knew there'd be a couple of cities along the way, like Singapore or, you know, Taipei or Venice, where it was going to be more. So we knew there'd be sometimes we'd go over that. But that was our basic budget. So we, but we wanted to be gone for a year. So. And we wanted to be debt free by time we left, which was <laughs> huge. We started out, when were we? Well, let's see. 2007, when I finished school, I was in debt $65,000, including like student loans and right. like everything, car loan, all that kind of stuff. We'd gotten rid of probably a little over half of that by the time we went to Central America, but it was still kind of looming over us. Right. I mean, that's still a big number, $30,000 yeah. or something. So when we came back, I mean, when we were planning this trip, we were like, everything has to be paid off. Actually, I will congratulate us on that. We we're completely debt-free as of, I think it was May this year. Um, and all the while, you were awesome. saving money to go on this trip as well. I mean, yes. you, you were Yes, we putting, had multiple goals. <laughs> right, So you were doing, but you were doing both at the same time. How, I mean, a lot of people listening are going to think, I can't even pay off my student loans, let alone save for a trip, or I can only save for a trip, I can't pay off my student loans. What did you guys do? Because you had jobs that were good jobs, but it's not, you didn't fall into a windfall of cash or anything. You had regular jobs. Regular yeah. Jobs. I, there's two things. One, we have one huge advantage is that we are a double income family with no kids. 
So granted, that is a huge advantage for us. Um, but other than that, it's really saving money is not hard if you make it the priority. So every time we were looking at an expense, it was like, do we want to go out to dinner or do we want to have $40, which will get us, you know, a day and a half in Thailand or Indonesia or something. And once we put it in those terms, it became really easy to stop spending money because we knew what our priority was. So we did not go out to eat. We did not go out to movies. We very rarely did any, I mean, we got rid of our cable and just changed our entire way we consume entertainment was, you know, we had some Netflix and stuff like that. And, and like, I was never felt deprived because we were still doing everything we wanted. I say the biggest challenge was dealing with our friends because friends have a different way of spending money. Because they're not saving for something big. Yeah, they're not going on the trip, so, so they're going to spend the 40 bucks on dinner. They want to go to the movies. They want to go to the dinner. And we did not. We wanted to stay in and do dinner parties and cheaper forms of being with our friends. And that was a challenge, especially in making new friends. Yeah. Because, you know, your old friends, they understand. They're behind you. They support you. But new people who come into your life aren't as interested in people who aren't willing to do anything. <laughs> so They might call you boring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we go away for a year. Right, and, and then uh, they look at your pictures, they're like, wow, like, that's yeah, pretty... We I were a little I boring. wish I could do that, right? Yeah. And that's what you always hear. Oh, I wish I could travel. Well, you can. I mean, you guys are basically living proof it, of that. It's about knowing what you want and sacrificing for it. And it's not always easy, although it gets so much easier. It's amazing how easy it is not to eat out after you don't eat out for two months. Yeah, and it and just when becomes you, habit. Yeah, and when you cut stuff out, like you mentioned cable. I mean, how many people have cable? I mean, me and Heather haven't watched TV at home on cable for years. Yeah. You know, it's just we watch stuff on our laptop. So when we go home and have a house... You know, we might not even th we'd think, oh, we should get cable. But really, should we get cable? I mean, there's just so many yeah. little things that build up. And all of it's hard at first because it's a change. But once you start doing it, it becomes a habit. And habits are hard to break. So Yeah, good and bad. Yes, exactly. So you create those good habits of going to the grocery store every way on the day on the way home from work and making your own food. And we became good cooks because of it. You know, I can attest to that. We had dinner with these guys last <laughs> night. It was excellent. You know, there's advantages to making these choices also. If you're not doing the entertainment all the time, you have to find ways to entertain yourself and you create new hobbies. And, you know, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now with the writing children's books because to fill my time, I started... Yeah, it's totally started free. ...started writing, started drawing, and, you know, a lot of good can come from suffering yeah like when did you first make the conscious decision to say all right we're going to actually start cutting stuff out you know we're going to stop going out to eat so much or, or at all we're going to cut out cable until you left was it a one-year process two-year process three-year process i know it's probably not one certain date but if you yeah. could give someone an estimation i guess I, about two do you think We'd always been watching stuff like that because we were trying to pay off the debt but i think adding that that other layer of then also trying to save for the trip was probably about two years. Two years of really seriously 
not spending. Right, right. And we we actually talked about this the other day, and I, I heard a good quote from Mr. Money Mustache, which, if anyone knows, is a He's awesome. personal finance website, and he was on the Listen Money Matters podcast, another one of my favorite podcasts. And he mentioned, a lot of people come to him and say, but the hardest part is with friends. Exactly like you said, David. A lot, you know, people want us to go out and we want to still be friendly and we want to have friends. We want to be social. How can we do that? And he simply said, become the one who makes the decisions. No one ever wants to make the decisions of where to go to eat, what to do. what. So take the lead and say, we're having a dinner party on Thursday. Everyone's invited. Everyone bring a dish. You know, set whatever parameters you want. But if you're the one who takes the initiative... You said it. And of course, everyone's going to be happy because you're the one who planned it. So many times you get in groups and people are like, when should we do this? And you know, it's like 50,000 emails back and forth of what you should do on a Friday night. Just make the decision, make it on your own terms, and people are going to like that you made the decision and you can do it in a way that works with your budget. That is so brilliant. Yeah. I totally That's love true. that. <laughs> but the other way to save money is to make more money too. And... Personally, for Rob, he did. He took a second job and did other work to create more income. I don't like to work more. So, you know, the way I could contribute was to spend less. Yeah, there's Um, two sides of the coin, right? And if you're doing both, all of a sudden, now the floodgates really open up. Well, also, I don't want to make it sound like those two years we were like living like poppers. We got married in those two years and we took a cruise in Scandinavia and like we were still doing like big stuff, but it was all stuff that we prioritized during that time. And we just stopped spending money on little stuff because the little stuff sucks so much money that you're not even aware of. And once you cut that stuff out, it's like amazing. Every month we're like, oh, I've got an extra $200 that I can't really account for. But hey, I'm going to put that into the student loan debt. Great. Awesome. Done. Yeah. The word you used, prioritize, is the one that that's that's the key word there is you still did things, but they were conscious efforts to do them. Yes, we're going to take a cruise. We need to, we're going to spend X amount of dollars. It's usually not the big things that are getting people because they plan for those big things. You know, well, we're going to have to get a new car at some point. So I know that. So we're planning towards it. You know, people even have their little jars that they put their money away for. It's all the little things day by day, getting the coffee that's five bucks instead of two bucks, whatever it is. Every, everyone has their own thing. But when you start writing it down and seeing where it comes from, then you think, hey, wait a second, $3 every day is going to be, you know, $90 at the end of the month, going to be $1,000 at the end of the year. Whoa. $1,000? That's a plane ticket somewhere if you're not using frequent flyer miles and you're actually paying for it. <laughs> yeah. And I think people would be surprised at what they could do without, like the coffee or, I mean, really for the first six months to a year, every time I walked by a restaurant, I would whine about not being able to walk in. Really, I would. Like It was a lot to give up. But then it became okay. You know, you can handle yeah. things if you, you figure it out yeah coffee is one of those things like i didn't grow up with coffee i don't i actually don't like coffee but i know everyone hates me for that whenever you know some stuff that i don't like be, just because of my personality i like trying new things i want to you know try it and i do not want to like coffee i'm glad i hate coffee because i see so many people who spend so much money on their coffee habit or soda pop i don't drink that either because 
it's just this, there's the benefit of it to me is not very much. And so I don't want to teach myself how to like it because it's just going to take away. That is not the priority that I have in life. And there's something, there is one or two or three or maybe a bunch of things for every person. And like David said, it was restaurants really hard for you to give up. Some people it's going to be coffee. Some people it's going to be going out to get drinks with coworkers, whatever it is, it's not going to be easy. But if you want to do something big and you really want to do it right, then you're going to have to give something up. And I think it makes the reward then when you're out here and you're sitting in Thailand and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm in Thailand while everyone else is at home during the winter and getting dumped on in snow. I mean, it's the reward is for us. And I think for most people listening, because they want to travel is well worth it. Is there anything else that you guys want to add that helped you planning and leading up to the trip? Because like we said, part two of the interview, we're going to talk all about the trip and the money and how you're saving money and budging while you're here, while you're on the trip. But is there anything else that you did that you think anyone could take away before they go on a trip? I do think it's fun and this will depend on your personality. I really enjoy planning itineraries. I am very well aware that once I get there, that itinerary is going to get thrown out the window. The only thing more fun than making the itinerary is changing the itinerary on the fly. However, like going through that process and kind of planning things out, it really helps keep the excitement going because you start learning all these new places. You're like, oh, there's a volcano that has blue lava. I kind of want to go see that. And it, you know, it really, and then you start talking about it to your friends and they get excited because they've never even considered going to Indonesia anyway. But then that the fact that there's a lava blue lava volcano, you know, it kind of helps keep you excited along the way because it can be a long process of saving. Yeah, I'd say the same thing. I just researched as much as possible, every possible place. So even places we're not probably going to get near, I have thoroughly researched Jordan and Madagascar. I could I could give you a complete itinerary of Madagascar and I have no idea how or why we would go there on this trip. But it um, just, it keeps it all real. Of, all of South America, all of Europe, I've researched it all just in case if something comes up, I'd be ready for it. We've got a yeah. living, breathing wiki travel with us here, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> and and it is true. Whenever we're talking, sitting here the last seven days, reminis- like talking about where we want to go, David's like, did you know? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm like, I can't even pronounce the name of that place. So... Guys, I, I really do appreciate it for joining me in part one of this, sharing all the details, you know, openly and honestly of, of how you're able to say, all right, we are going to travel, but it's not, it's not going to be easy. We didn't have money fall from the sky. Here's the, you know, kind of the pain in the butt things that we did that aren't really that bad to allow us to get to the trip that we want. So I really appreciate you guys coming on and sharing that. And of course, you're going to be coming right back on for part two. Right back. <laughs> we're here. Yeah. And if you guys want to check out, we're going to mention their website again in part two. But if you want to check it out, 10degreeswarmer.com. That has pictures and stories of, of all the stuff they've done on this trip. If you want to get the show notes for this show, or of course, listen to part two when it comes out, extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. You can check out our brand new web design. All the podcasts are linked on the same page. You can literally play them all from the same page. And don't forget, we're running the survey, extrapackofpeanuts.com slash survey. We are giving away a $50 Amazon gift card to one lucky person. So let us know what you like and what you want to hear more of that's really important to us. As always, guys, thanks for the support. Thank you for making us a top 100 podcast on iTunes. And until tomorrow, happy free travels.